Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest episode of I Am No Joke, your home for all things combat sports and the place where every armchair quarterback can feel a thin bronco. The views and opinions presented on the I Am No Joke channel belong solely to the person expressing them, no one else. If we say it, that means we meant it. That being said, this show does contain adult themes, adult content, and general shit that you shouldn't be letting your kids intake. Be advised, viewer discretion is recommended. Proceed at your own risk. You've been warned. If it's Thursday night, we fucking survived. <laughs> oh my god, it's over. International fight month is finally fucking over. <sighs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of appropriate ages, to the latest episode of the I'm No Joe podcast, the show where every armchair quarterback can feel like Eddie Bravo. Today, as like most days, we have got a glorious panel ready to get into the shit-talking and shenaniganry we will find upon the pick- kicky, punchy world. See, we do the shit live. Uh, we have got all sorts of interesting tidbits to talk about this evening. Before we get into all the fun, though, first and foremost, gentlemen, how the fuck are you this fine evening? Doing fucking fantastic, man. Just saying, I made some calls. Some things went my way, so I will not be a goat today. <laughs> Doing pretty fucking good myself. Been a tough week. Got tomorrow off. Excited, not for the the fight card necessarily, but I'm happy for the weekend. So yeah, doing good. <laughs> That's if, if nothing else. If you can't look forward to the fight card, you can always look forward to if nothing else. It's the weekend. <laughs> so uh, before we get into all the insanity that we have got to not look forward to this upcoming weekend, uh, start things off as we like to here with a little bit of a recap. But before we even get into all that, um, I have spoke with several fans of the show over the last week and a few errors are on my part. I would like to take a point to try and correct ahead of time. Uh, first and foremost, for those of you who have not somehow heard, we all do group pick them on Tapology. Tapology.com does not endorse or support this show in any way, shape, or form. They do, however, host the ability for you to create a free account and then join groups of fellow like-minded lunatics who can then proceed to make picks on upcoming fights we have created just such a group it is on tapology the name of the group is i'm no bookie all one word no spaces it is group 965 you can also find the link as well of all of the show links down in the description in the link tree link um feel free to join the reason I start with that is because every weekend there is a UFC card when the premier prelim fight goes live on this very channel right here. 
I put out what I like to affectionately call our Pick'em Update live streams. It is quite literally just a rolling screen of all of our Tapology picks from the group in a constant real-time updating slideshow, as well as all of the Eddie and the Arsons tunes you have already come to know and love if you have heard any of the intro or outro songs on this channel in the last five years. So if you are interested, please feel free to join the Tapology group. I approve every applicant as soon as I see them and I see them as soon as they get processed in. Feel free to join if you would like your picks in said Tapology group on the Saturday live show. I am absolutely okay with that as well. DM me the link that it gives you when you lock your picks in. It will give you a little PNG link when you finish copy that link and send it to me in a dm i will gladly put you in every weekend they are there and yep. you'll be able to watch send it to me as well if you don't have his info i'll gladly get to him yeah there you go all of the links are down in there so please feel free to join the topology we're not just talking shit we actually put our metaphorical money where our internet mouths are so to speak and we hang them out there for everyone to see and hold accountable our records are out there i've been doing this for a hot minute now galti's right there behind me the brother christian's on there we've got a pretty good group going and our records are public so it's not just like we're guessing like my record's out there for all to fucking see yeah um, feel free to join feel free to fucking send your links we'll get you in on saturdays as well i was told i do not promote that enough i i literally forget every weekend to do any promotion for that stream and just fucking start it live so there you go john i did make that i did make that call <laughs> you know what's ironic about that is yes the group is called i'm no bookie but lately there has been a one certain member who i swear to god the motherfucker has a bookie because holy shit he has been on fire lately looking at you don yeah real close don real you know what we're talking about i don't know where you're getting your inside information right we're coming for your source dog but Yes, uh, we run a tapology group. It's all good fun. It's all in jest. There's no actual money on the line. It's not endorsed or financially fucking beneficial in any way, shape, or form. It's just good fucking fun. Feel free, feel free to join in and take part. Who the fuck is this guy? I know. Thanks for having matters on the channel again, son of a bitch. <laughs> fucking world's going to hell in a handbasket. I know, right? How you doing, brother? fucking not bad i just got home from work so i'm i'm dying nice, i was gonna be nice. back at work in like nine hours so nice good times good times yeah um so the other thing that i was told that i wait too long into the fucking show because most people kick off as soon as we roll our outro credits at the end and i don't blame them the bad part about that is that it means most people miss the fact that if you want to help this show there are two things you can do one obviously tell a friend share a fucking episode help us get out there let other people you know that are interested in it that we're out here talking shit and see if they're interested in our talking shit that helps a lot the other thing you can do for as little as a dollar a month patreon.com slash i'm no joe literally any tier of the patreon gets your name added as a thank you to the end of every single stream that goes on on this channel and it gives you access to the unaired and literally unairable shit that we have on our patreon now i'm not going to get too graphic or too detailed here because i don't want to get this live stream flagged what i will say though is that at one point in time this show had an only fans account 
And to my knowledge, this is the only podcast on the internet ever to be kicked off of OnlyFans for being too goddamn spicy. Now, the reason I tell you that is because Patreon don't give a damn. We are all paying fucking adults. So what OnlyFans couldn't handle we brought to Patreon. So that dollar not only helps the show, it gives you access to shit that only fans deem too spicy. We'll leave it at that. That being said, as we like to do around here, let's start things off with a little bit of a recap from last weekend. UFC 277 went down in Texas for some goddamn reason. Um... I want to put this very politely, if I'm able to. Um, the best thing about the opening fight of UFC 277 was the double spinning back fist that almost gave us our first live double KO. We were literally that fucking close. They both spun at the same time, at the same angle, and they both fucking landed on each other, and they both wobbled to opposite sides of the octagon. My fucking pulse went to 130 instantly. I yelled, here it is. It's happening. It's happening. And then it didn't happen. But it, God damn it, it was that we got fucking MMA edged so hard last weekend. God damn it, we were right fucking there. That being said, whoever in the UFC's matchmaking department has decided for whatever fucking reason that they are going to continue to give the city kickboxing, kickboxing standout, Mike Blood Diamond, the kickboxer, wrestlers to fight in the UFC for his up-and-coming fucking debut spots that he keeps getting fucking put into should be slapped in their fucking head. Not that Mike Diamond has ever been any threat of a world breaker, but when you've got a guy who is a kickboxer and you want to showcase him, you don't put him against fucking wrestlers in his debut. And when that fails, you don't put him against a fucking wrestler in his follow-up fight. You're destined to fucking fail. If you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it. Guess fucking what? Here we are again talking about another Mike Blood Diamond appearance and another wrestler that fucking ragdolled him and threw him the fuck around for 15 unentertaining minutes, double back fist aside. I I, I absolutely love that they're pushing him against wrestlers because you know what that says? Yeah, you're a, sit, a kickboxing guy, but that doesn't mean you can fucking wrestle like the rest of them have a little bit of wrestling. And I'm not saying all of them have wrestling because not all of them do. But you could tell I'm okay with him doing that because you know what? This is mixed martial arts. It's not kickboxing. It's right. not, absolutely. It's not. It's not fucking um, Kempo Karate. It's fucking MMA. Get fucked. Get and I, down, I agree with that 100%. Out. My, my conflict comes in when you got guys who are clear kickboxers who they will not stop throwing wrestlers to, to literally, at least from the appearance side of things, slow the progress down of while literally on the other fucking hand, they have kickboxers like mm, Alex Pereira, who they have given nothing but lesser quality strikers and now is getting a title shot off fighting just two of those during his run in almost the exact same time period 
in the UFC. Same number of fights, complete different opposition. One took two fights and is now getting a title shot. The other took two fights and is now eating a bag of dicks oh. and hoping to keep that UFC contract. <laughs> you're, you're literally comparing an apple and an orange here, not because they're both kickboxers, I mean, a but because and a, what one has again? money tied to it and a lot of it. The other one is, huh, what the fuck is this? Let me dust this off the shelf and put it back up there. <laughs> no, this one has already beaten the champ in kickboxing, right. albeit. So, yeah. Let's try to fast track him up there so we can make a big buttload of fucking money off of this because that's going to sell because there's fucking backstory to it. So eh, a little bit different. Yeah, they're doing the right thing. They're literally doing the right thing when it comes to this. When it comes to that scratch, they're they're doing it fucking right. Yeah, with with Blood Diamond, he's he's just Izzy's buddy, right? Like Israel Addison, it's his best friend. That's the only reason he's really in the regional leagues. Like, let's just be honest with it. So why why cater to the guy when he's just the buddy, you know, Israel Adesanya? I like no. that they're testing him because you're trying to see what he, like, like, like golf he's saying. You're trying to see what he's really made out of. And right. I feel like he's only going to get one more fight because of being Adesanya's buddy. And I, I do feel like they're going to cater to him a little bit. They're going to give him some sort of soup can. They're going to give him somebody that's going to stand yeah. up and strike that with him so that they can fight, yeah. show off those boxing skills, if you will. But, well, I mean, it, that's not how, like Golf D said, that's not how it works. It's mixed martial arts. It's not kickboxing. And he's definitely not, he's not done anything in his career to be, you know, fast-tracked along. So he, he it is totally different situation than like in Alex Pereira, you know. Exactly. Yeah, you, you can only jerk off his buddy for so fucking long before <laughs> um, you go, you know what? We've had enough of this three, so I'm get the fuck out. <laughs> Just say it, right? No, I, I, I get it, but like if you're gonna tell me that the UFC wants to see what they're really capable of they would be doing the same thing with Pereira because if he wins the belt, the first time Luke Rockhold sneezes funny, he takes the fucking strap back. And now we're in a real stupid situation because they never tested Pereira against a fucking wrestler when they rushed him to the belt. Meanwhile, Izzy's buddy, who's been nothing but wrestle tested, never got a chance to show off his striking because they let him get wrestle fucked 15 minutes at a time. So are you just, saying they should have a little ironic is diamond? I'm, I'm just saying they should it, be giving Pereira Derek Brunson is what you're saying. Instead something of a, a little more shot, along those lines, somebody like Derek Brunson. Yeah, before, so a little something a little more along those lines. If you're going to legitimately test him, give him a test that he's capable of passing. Well, I mean, technically, they gave him a test he was supposed to fail. It's, and it's, somebody was saying just too is, stupid. It's it's similar to rain on your wedding day. It's a free ride when you've already paid. And I mean, technically, he already paid his dues. He already beat the fucking champ once, so let him at him. But no, I get it. I get it. But just it's just weird to see them openly being that blatantly fucking hypocritical in, in the same exact situation on different sides of it. But UFC going to UFC, so what are you going to do? Um, that being said, uh, Nikolai Negamaranu, that fucking shot, man, that shot was clean. Uh, maybe not the most exciting fight leading up to the shot that fucking dropped it, but the shot was fucking clean. Um, 
moving on from there. I've said it before, and I'm doubling down now for anyone who might have missed my previous take on this. Jocelyn Edwards is to Valentina Shevchenko what Blood Diamond is to Israel Adesanya. She is literally here because she's the tramp's fucking training partner. Like, nothing more, nothing less. And I don't give a good flying fuck what any of those blind-ass Texas judges had to fucking say. In no world did she unanimously fucking beat Ji-Yeon Kim. It shouldn't have been close enough to be called the split decision that it actually was ended up being. Uh, not that again, not that Jiang Kim is a fucking world beater unto herself, but Fire Fist is at least fucking working on it here and was putting out a hell of a lot more fucking effort and getting a lot more success, in my opinion, with her efforts than fucking Jocelyn Edwards' fucking flailing attempt of 15 minutes of domination. Um, but again, UFC gonna UFC, so just I feel it worth pointing out this is not uh blood diamond is not the only one enjoying that dana white privilege as it were uh, that being said very similar situation here uh to the uh fight from earlier um not that there was realistically a whole lot of momentum or thought behind adam fugit getting you know the win let alone a, a fucking tee up fucking knockout win but uh i don't know that anyone really saw morales coming in looking as good as he did in my opinion he really did look real fucking sharp and he earned his way through that fucking fight so hats off to that young man now i'm not even going to talk about dracar because there's nothing to fucking say about that goddamn fight what i will say though is that if you somehow missed saturday's card do yourself a favor and go find whatever social media platform you enjoy the most and look for the highlights from hamdi al del wahab that giant olympic egyptian is about to make a serious fucking splash in the ufc not only is he a heavyweight not only is he an olympic heavyweight he's an olympic heavyweight with a gas tank and humility he's everything henry cejudo should grow up into like if you shrinky dink henry cejudo in reverse he would become hamdi like the accreditations like the ego would get baked out of him the whole kit and caboodle it would be fucking perfect unfortunately we're stuck with that cringy little four foot fuck right now but we also now have hamdi to help us bring the glory of olympic wrestling into the world of mixed martial arts and now becoming the first egyptian and the first egyptian to subsequently win in the ufc and that is one door i am fucking beautifully happy to see kicked open bring him on absolutely wonderful fight to watch and that dude legitimately as a heavyweight has one of the best gas tanks you're ever going to see in a heavyweight i I don't care if that was a three-round fight or not but the pace he was pushing for those three rounds for a heavyweight was fucking amazing yeah and he didn't look gassed at the end like he looked a little tired but not fucking completely bone dry empty like you see a lot of heavyweights at the end of round fucking one and a half Especially you know? not during a debut when all the spotlights are on, getting ready to open up the fucking pay-per-view card and people are paying attention. 
Yeah, the, the prelims are on. You're on fucking ESPN, ESPN Plus. The whole fucking world can see you. And fuck, actually, yeah. the prelims were on ABC this week too. ABC, yes, sir. So I mean, he had the whole fucking world watching. Like, of all the times he could have tripped and fell, he did not. And god damn it, you can tell that Olympic experience fucking paid off because bright lights or not, fuck it, it's the same thing as any other fucking fight I've been in. Let's do it. There was no fucks given for sure. I'm telling you, he is not the sharpest right now, but God damn it, with a little bit more training, he can be really fucking dangerous at the top of this division. That's that's exactly the way I feel about it. I'm not saying this is the next fucking future champion. I'm not saying it's a fucking world breaker. What I'm saying is if that was his fucking debut, keep your fucking eye on this gentleman because that future could be very fucking bright. Yeah, those two things, the power and the gas tank, they were just definitely big, big surprises. And, and first Egyptian ever, so it'd be a great fucking story to see him fucking yeah. climb the ranks. Yeah, it was that was very cool. Not only, yeah, not only did they fucking make history by him being the first Egyptian ever, but he's a fucking Olympian. He's great on the fucking microphone, like. There, there's a lot of potential there, man. There is. I'm, I'm very fucking stoked to see cool shit like that happen. Uh, speaking of being very excited to see cool shit happen, um, one of two body shot stoppages of the evening, Drew Dober with one of the cleanest lefts to the body we have seen in recent fucking memory. Rafael Alves, to his credit, one tough motherfucker and came out ready to give everything he fucking had. But Drew Dober looking like a stack of hundreds ready to be fucking spent from the opening bell and just precise as a fucking laser beam with a left to the body that just dropped Alves so painful. I think everybody watching went, ooh. That was one of the nastiest liver shots I've ever seen with the fist. Like, we see liver kicks a lot and people going off on liver kicks, but fucking with a fucking liver shot with the fucking punch, you rarely see that. And it was so fucking clean. And you saw that my favorite thing about liver shots, and you know they're liver shots when they happen, is there's like that half second delay, half second to second, and then all of a sudden the body just fucking folds. And that's exactly what happened there. I was like, oh, that's all liver. It wasn't just a great body shot. That was all fucking liver. The Schrodinger's body shot moment. Did it yeah. hit the lever or didn't it? <laughs> yeah. And you know in about 30 seconds. Yeah, I was just like, we'll find out real fucking quickly because either the fight's going to go on or somebody's going to crumble. And in this case, fucking Rafael Alves folded down. You could see he was trying to fight it out, but when it kicks in, when that good body shot kicks in, I don't care who the fuck you are. Speaking of the liver shots this weekend, because there was multiple this weekend, Yep. I just honorable mention. I'm scrolling through Instagram uh, like it was on t- Monday or Tuesday, and there was a doctor breaking down liver shots, and he used both that and then our co-main event fucking liver shot finish, and explaining the breakdown of what actually happens in the body. I was like, medical side of it. Yeah, and he had slow mos of it happening to the guys. I was like. Nice. Look at this doc, and he, I think it, I forget which MMA page it was on, but I was like, I fucking dig this. We need there's, more. There's of been this. a lot, yeah. There's been a lot more of that lately. There was one, uh, I, 
I don't remember what his fucking name was because again, it was one of those I just saw it in fucking passing. I'm pretty sure on Instagram, uh, who was breaking down the Anthony Smith situation with the ankle and the fucking the Tom Aspinall situation with his fucking knee. Like that's legitimately becoming a thing. Probably like if you're a reputable doctor, and there's a crazy fucking injury like we've seen, and you can be on Johnny on the fucking spot with the medical. This is why what you saw happen happened. Everybody loves that shit, man. Yeah, it's a great way to break it down on why it happens and how it happens. And yeah, great fucking move for sure. <sighs> so that unfortunately will bring us to the uh premier prelim from last weekend. Um I have got to say, uh, we never proclaimed semi the Jedi to be the most technically proficient or you know stylistically unique guy in the world but what Matthew Selmasberger is is one of the toughest motherfuckers in the welterweight division end of sentence that dude had his eyeball turned into a blood-filled water balloon and then split and never for a fucking second tried to get out of it. Even lied his way through a doctor's check who asked him, how many fingers am I holding up? He said one. I'm showing two for those of you listening. He said one. The doctor said, you're good. And they sent him back in. Fucking love it. My hat's off you, sir. That's legitimate. Get the wheelbarrow. I need to get my balls out of this octagon now that the fight is over kind of shit. Like, that's badass. Like, and to his credit, Alex Morono beat the dog shit out of him for 15 fucking minutes. But there was no fucking second of that fight where you even considered Matthew Summersberger quitting, and neither did he. <laughs> that motherfucker's a tank. <laughs> That being said, though, that'll bring us to the opening moment of the pay-per-view side of UFC 277. Oh, fuck. Um, to be fair, round one was a fairly uneventful back and forth, pretty even for the most part. Um, the end of round one, Anthony Smith throws a kick what looked to be initially like a body kick that was just a little bit low and kind of landed right on the hip area of Magomed Ankalaev. Um, similar to what we saw Tom Aspinall throw, but landing closer to the ankle than the knee that Tom's did. Uh, and as soon as he got back to his corner in between rounds one and two, the first word out of his mouth to his coaches, ankle, 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 my ankle, my ankle's fucked. They immediately put ice on it, tried to game plan and go through. Anthony Smith comes back out for round two and tries to fucking go at it. And at one point he goes to step and you just see it fucking go. It, there's there's nothing there anymore. Not quite Conor McGregor level crumbling underneath him, but very, very similar fashion. Um, the fight is stopped. They call it again a, a TKO. Obviously, Smith can't continue. Um, this, however, is one of those moments where we're, we're left in kind of a weird position because this legitimately was 
potentially the light heavyweight number one contenders fight. Uh, if, if there was a performance, a stellar performance from either one of those gentlemen, they potentially could have cut the line and gotten themselves into that, that title conversation. And then we get one of these freak injury situations where, again, nothing against Magomed Nikolaev. He didn't do anything wrong here. This isn't his fault by any stretch of the imagination. But how then can you campaign when there's still Jan Blahovich in the wings that you deserve the next title shot? Because you did have a moment there where if you would have done something and you'd have won that, you could have taken that, that shot away from Jan and you could have jumped the line. But we had a freak injury situation. Like, did we not just see this exact situation yeah. two weeks ago? Like, like, we're catching lightning in a bottle way more often than we fucking should be right now. Yeah, no <laughs> shit. Fucking pretty soon you're gonna have to call us fucking Benjamin Franklin, or the UFC is gonna be renamed Benjamin Franklin FC, because you know you can't keep having this shit happen over and over. And fucking, they, there's got to be some sort of give where eventually the universe goes. You know what? Fuck it, we'll get back on the right track. Right? No shit. Nobody. Like, look, the way the fight was going was. I'll say it wasn't in Anthony Smith's favor at the beginning. He wasn't, he wasn't out of it. No. But once that injury occurred though, there's, that's one of those things where every time we see a good fight start to go and somebody gets an injury like that, you're going, well, you can't say, yeah, the dude deserves a title shot. No, he doesn't. Cause he didn't do anything in the first round that was impressive enough to warrant jumping the line. To be honest, I think he has to have another at least one, maybe two more fights because of who's ahead of him right now. The way I see it, either they're going to do Jan versus Yiri somewhere in Europe for the belt next, or they're going to do Yiri versus Glover the rematch. If they do Yiri versus Glover, which I'm totally fine with for the record, I think Jan and Magomed fight for next up for solidify. That's the number one contender. So could, you know, solidifier, whoever wins that fucking fight takes the, the winner of fucking Yuri and Glover. On the other hand, if they do Yuri and Jan, I don't think Glover is going to fight Magomed and Goliath. I feel like if they don't give him the rematch, I think we're going to see Glover retire and that's just going to leave Magomed hung out in the fucking wind. Yeah. Cause realistically that's the right move as dickish as it kind of seems to be either glover gets that rematch or, or glover should realistically retire because if they don't give him the rematch this, now he's this not whole getting situation again. of the light heavyweight division and then as well magomed having this this win kind of like jan did uh, on injury and then he also didn't really use his time wisely in my opinion after the win you know the the, the interview after the fact i kind of feel like you could maybe see Jamal Hill if if he winds up going and having a really impressive that's, out yeah, and this weekend against Tiago Santos. If he puts Tiago Santos to sleep, especially like he did against Johnny Walker, wouldn't yeah. that be a better shot? Beyond, you know, it, it, at least let's see that. If Jamal Hill does something like that and then goes out and uses his time wisely, calls for something like, hey, let's see my right hand 
against that Polish power. You know, well, kind of shoot some respect to Jan and go for that. Like, hey, they're going to screw you out of your championship. They're going to give it to Glover. Let's right. you and me fucking go now that I just did this. Right. There's there's so much going on. There. There's a lot of muddiness in, well, in no, a but, lot of divisions right now, but especially yeah, no, in you, light heavyweight. But you, you make a Jamal very Hill might be able to creep yeah. his ass up into this situation because of how muddy everything else has been mm-hmm. with all these injuries and everything. Absolutely. No, you make you make a fucking very, very valid point. Light heavyweight right now is one of the hottest divisions again in the UFC, and it hasn't been in a long fucking time. Like it or not, because John Jones log jammed that whole fucking division. And as nice as it is to have a dominant champion once in a while, having a dominant champion for so long actually does more detriment to the division than it does benefit. And I think we're almost there with Valentina at 125, because as soon as John Jones got plugged from or plucked from that fucking log jam, as it were, and that river of 205 started to flow again, we got some new blood flowed into the fucking division. Now we're back to the point where we are stacked with legitimate top contenders again at 205 because just like Christian said, with a great performance this weekend, there is no fucking doubt that Jamal Hill could show up and be like, look at my resume, motherfuckers. How are you realistically going to keep me out of this conversation any fucking longer? You know, funny is it's not just her division either that's fucking log jammed because of that same situation middleweight is the same way right now with israel adesanya and i'm not taking anything away from israel but it's fucking log jammed Fe- featherweight featherweight's log jammed i would say right. straw weight phantom weight in the women's division like we yeah, got no, so it- many divisions that are in a <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're getting to that point heavyweights yeah, getting even getting there with with Tom Aspinall and Curtis Blades the other week. Right. Yeah, no, we're, we're, we're getting to that point where the ebb and flow of no contenders, too many contenders is starting to sway back at a lot of divisions. So, yeah, depending on what happens Saturday night, shit could get even more fucking crazy. Yeah. Fucking weird. But moving along from there real quick. Um this fight, and I, I took a screenshot in the moment to share with the fellas here. Uh, this fight reminded me of like a little fucking skit on Instagram of a kid riding in the backseat of the car saying, I want a Pantera backpack for school this year. And mom says, we've got a Pantera backpack at home because God damn, if Alex Perez didn't get himself one for the better part of a minute and a half into that minute 31 fight that uh, Pantoja had on him. Now, first and foremost, before we get into this one, because this one does deserve a minute to talk in here, um, I don't believe either Pantoja or Perez deserve to be ranked as high as they are. I'm not saying either one of them are cans. What I'm saying is I don't believe that either one of them deserve to be ranked as highly as they are. That being said, Alexandre Pantoja came out and showed that whatever the rank the two of them might be currently sitting at, he deserves to be at least one notch clearly above Alex Perez. Um, And again, We've seen Perez come out and do some good fucking work. It's like, again, he's not a complete fucking can by any stretch of the imagination. I don't know that he's ever going to see that fucking gold around his waist, but he's not a complete fucking can. Pantoja, 
on the other hand, came out and just climbed right the fuck on his goddamn back like a weird scene from like a white version of Avatar and rode that motherfucker for a minute, 20 some odd seconds before he finally was able to just shut everything down and get the fucking submission win. And so, and you know, I don't know, credit where credit is due. He did exactly what he needed to do. Yes, he did. And he finished the fight, which that right there says a fucking lot. Whether you hit him with, what was it like? It was less than fucking 10 shots that he hit him with. And backpacked him out for a fucking total in the whole fight. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, had we known Alex Perez was going to sign up for a short hiking trip, I probably wouldn't have watched that fight. Uh, Because to be honest, I could have thought of better things to do with myself, like go take a shot of whiskey or grab another beer, you know. But you're right, neither one of them deserve where they're at. And to be honest, I hope that they give Pantoja a really fucking hard fight next to show exactly where he fucking belongs. Like, and I'm not saying he deserves to be fucking fighting the number two guy or anything like that but right now that's going to be the only thing available to him like number two number one contender in the division he's gonna have to fight one of them and it's fine yeah that's who who else yeah and god knows fucking both kai car fronts and fucking brandon moreno would fucking absolutely destroy him Without a shadow of a doubt. And God knows that he's not getting anywhere near Davis and Figueredo. Not anytime fucking soon. No. No. But that unfortunately will bring us to, for all intents and purposes, the, the real people's main event in Dallas. Um, Derek Lewis versus Sergey Pavlovich. Um, unfortunately... For some reason, Derek Lewis hasn't gotten the hint that the universe doesn't want him to fucking fight in Texas anymore, let alone with Dan Mergliata refing the fucking match. Um, so far, we are three for three. Derek Lewis fights in Texas. Three losses by stoppage by Dan Mergliata. Um, this one, though, probably the most controversial of the three officially they call it 55 seconds uh i think realistically all said and done it was probably closer to 30 and then there was a little bit of confusion before the actual stoppage and the the clock got fucking stopped and um what i will say is in the moment i was right there with everyone else going what the fuck was that what 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 no what then through the power of technology, we got to see the instant replay in slow motion from multiple different angles, from multiple point of views from around the octagon. One of them being almost directly over Dan Mergliata's shoulder. From his point of view, this was absolutely the male equivalent of Amanda Nunez versus Cyborg. He got baby elephant face planted 
on the goddamn campus. And I understand that he bounced immediately back up and he contested the fucking stoppage. And I'm not going to deny or I'm not going to try and downplay that or say that he didn't bounce right back up. And he didn't seem clear when he bounced back up. What I will say is if you go watch any clear angle of that fall, the strike that hits him, the way that he falls, the way that he lands, that's the important part. Not how he popped back up, how he falls and how he lands is what should be anyone's clear definition of stop the goddamn fight because the referee's number one priority isn't to look out for someone to get a finish bonus it isn't for someone to look out to get a highlight reel it's fighter safety and when you have a fighter who's 265 pounds and he got punched in his face and he fell on the fucking canvas so hard and so cleanly he couldn't put his hands out to stop his face from getting mushed that man doesn't need to take another punch. He's had enough. Yeah, see, and I, I'm still teeter-tottering on this one because I'm all about fighter safety. Like, that's one of those things I'm constantly preaching because there's constantly, we see fucking constant counts where refs let it go too long and fighters are taking way too much damage. Like, let's go back a, a wee bit. Let's go all the way back to Anthony Smith and Glover Teixeira. They let right. that fight go on way too goddamn long. In case like that, Smith didn't need to take as much damage as he did in this fight. This one, I'm a little fucking off on. And it's not that I don't think he was out, because he was definitely out. But we see flash knockouts all the time where people get fucking hit, hit the canvas, wake back up, and they're right back in it, which is yeah, where he was at. Yeah. So... I, I get the controversial thing. I get where Dana was pissed, but also seeing all the angles, you know, he was, he had the flash knockout. I won't say it was a knockout because it wasn't, it was a flash knockout. Yeah. The ref did the right thing, stepping in to protect Derek Lewis from taking any more damage at that moment. However, when he hit that floor, Sergey didn't do a very good job of adding any additional damage before the ref got there. So I'm just saying, he very well could have gotten up. So, yeah, I can see the controver controversy in that. And to be honest, I wouldn't be mad if fucking Dana White pulled out his big boy Dana White panties and said, you two are going to fucking fight again. Right. Because to be honest, yeah. it, it, it should go that way, but it's not going to. I know better because somebody's going to step in and go, no, 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 no. And Sergey's definitely not going to take that fight again. No. At this point, hang your head high. You caught him. And that's all there is to it. But fuck, I really, I'm, I'm a little disappointed in Mark Liotta because he's one of the better refs out of there. But I, I get it. He did his job, which is to protect the fighter. But I'm also disappointed that he didn't let him take at least two more shots. Yeah. Or, or to see if he was going to, it was the flash knockout. Because, I mean, we see a lot of flash knockouts. It's where you see those guys, they'll basically sit down on the canvas. They might not go all the way down, but they'll pop right back up. And then you've got other times where they hit the canvas and pop right back up. Right. Kind of a fucking, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. And thinking, yeah, knowing that they're heavyweights, though, I think that's what scared Mergliata is they're fucking heavyweights. Because you got 265 guys that are probably well north of 265 come fight day, probably closer to fucking 300. But <laughs> you're going, man. 
should have let it go for at least one or two more punches. It was yeah, it'd be a little different if that was bantam weights and one dude dropped the dude and then he popped right back up and they kept going. It's a little different when it's fucking 265. I'm, I'm just saying, it was no mailboxes just drop. My thing is, this it was not a Mark Hunt style walk off knockout. Yes, correct. If it would have been that, okay, I get it. But he was not stiff, stiff when he went down. He was kind of limp. And stiff, stiff is, you know, bad knockout. He was kind of, he just kind of limped it down. As well, with Dan having the bad call in my eyes, you got to know your fighters when you're calling a fight. And Derek Lewis kind of tends to play possum a little bit. Right. I know he actually did go out a little bit. It wasn't him playing possum like we've seen before, but you just got, you would think that Dan would know that going into the fight, that Derek Lewis, that's kind of his, his MO sometimes to act like like it hurt to try to lure the guy in a little bit so that he can catch the other guy. And it's just, it, it, it is what it is. I think all of us fans will accept it and not call it a bad stoppage because he did have that kind of face plant moment, but it's just, it definitely was early. Even Dana White said it was early and it was nice to hear him actually agree with us for once on it. And it's like, you just want to see any big fight. You want to see the ref not really be, or the judges that at least that's the kind of fan I am. I don't want to see the ref or the judges be the necessary deciding factor. You know, I want, the fighters beating the other fighter. You want that to be the, the winning factor. Don't get me wrong. I'm still okay with the refs being the deciding factor because they have one sole job as the referee. That is to protect the fighters from unneeded damage. So I get it. He did the right thing in that aspect. But yeah, it's still controversial. I'm not going to say it's the right stoppage. I'm not going to say it's the wrong stoppage, though, either. <laughs> Because to be honest, controversial. That's exactly why I said it that way. Because I'm not saying he's right. I'm not saying he's wrong. I can see both sides of it, but I will agree and, it is controversial. <laughs> I'm not gonna hang Mergliato out to dry on that. Because to be honest, not he's generally one. one of the better refs in the fucking industry. So I'm I mean, not gonna, oh yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tie him to the fucking whipping post for this one. Not not at all. No, he, he's he's not a Mario Yamasaki band, so we're good. Right. That being said, though, uh, that will bring us to the co-main event, the Interim Flyweight Championship of the World. One of the better fights overall on the fucking card as a whole. Just fucking two guys who very clearly wanted to fucking show that they were the best and were willing to fucking lay it all on the line to prove it. Very fucking, very close back and forth, in my opinion. Brandon Moreno was looking very, very good. But Kayak Hara France was starting to get the better of the fight, in my opinion. He was starting to get the timing down. He was starting to land more and better shots as the rounds were starting to wear on. And then to his fucking credit, Brandon Moreno might not be my favorite fighter in the world, but it is impossible to deny that that man has some of the best in fight fight iq in the fucking organization weight class b 
be damned from the way that he slid behind Biggie and landed that fucking choke to get him the fucking belt to begin with to the way that he saw the opening on the downward side of a fucking strike being thrown at him to slide in one of the most perfectly fucking timed liver kicks that we have seen in at least a year or two and just absolutely fucking end Kaya Kara France's evening that fucking quickly. I, I don't care if you like him or not. Brandon Moreno is undeniably either the best or the number one flyweight in the fucking world. If he is not the best because Figgy is, then he has cemented himself as 1A. Much like Max and Volk are 1 and 1A in the featherweight division, Moreno and Figgy Smalls are 1 and 1A in the fucking flyweight division. Kayakara France, I fucking love and came out giving it fucking hell, but Moreno knew exactly what to do in the moment to turn everything around and proved between that and his fucking post-fight speech that he's the man. Period. Brandon Moreno's the man. Yeah. He was he was another one that uh, just purely speaking on the post-fight, he had a it was like we got back-to-back great weeks of somebody having a great post-fight interview. Yeah. Like, he went, he said it right out the get-go. He's like, I want to come out here and say I'm the baddest, whatever. But he's like, I got to be a parent, too. So I want to put a good example forward for my children. And he did just that, and it was absolutely fucking brilliant. Now, as far as the fight was concerned, holy shit. Look, High Carl France was getting Brandon Moreno's number. There is no fucking doubt about that. And if you don't believe me, go look at the, what was it? Like fucking 18 stitches under his fucking eye. <laughs> oh, he, he was getting fucking work, but he does have, without a shadow of a doubt, he is by far the best adjust on the fly fighter that is in the UFC right now. It's not just his fight IQ, because his fight IQ is obviously fucking amazing. Yeah, no, his ability to read and make changes on the fly is unfucking paralleled, man. It really, really is. That and to be honest, there were some times where I thought he was gonna go out. He he epitomizes that whole fucking Mexican fighter spirit. Warrior, yeah. Yeah, like the there was no fucking quit in him. And man. What a beautiful fucking liver kick. Absolutely gorgeous. Perfect placement. And and he was working the body prior to that. Because if you look before that, up. Yeah, those ribs and the Kaikarfronts were all fucked up before that even landed. So, I mean. Deposits in the bank, as Teddy Atlas likes to say. <laughs> that's it. Because he made a lot of fucking deposits in those first two rounds. Yeah. But it, that was that was fucking one of the greatest fucking flyweight fights we've seen in a long time, even though it was not a full fucking five rounds like it could have been. Yeah. No, that was it was fucking impressive, man. It's it's hard to fucking deny Brandon Moreno. <sighs> that, however, will bring us to our main event from Saturday Night Live from Dallas. The rematch, the immediate rematch of Juliana Pena versus Amanda Nunez. Uh, 
I know leading into Saturday night, there had only been two of 11 people to have their belt taken away and then regain it subsequently in the immediate rematch. And I said it last weekend, I was willing to put my money where my mouth was and say that if anybody's going to be number fucking three out of 12, it's most likely to be Amanda fucking Nunes. And I get it. I get it. I get it as much as anyone else in the world. I fucking hate when somebody loses and then they've got a fucking CVS receipt of fucking excuses. I had the flu. My cousin's brother's wedding got delayed. It was dark out, but I couldn't get my sunglasses off. I had three flat tires. Aliens abducted me. Cows walked in my way and it's against my religion to not let them go. I don't fucking care. If you lose, own that shit. You get your rematch, prove that you are the better fucking fighter. This is one of those situations where Amanda Nunez came out in the first fight against Juliana Pena, and it was clear to Stevie Wonder that something wasn't right. That was not Amanda Nunez from the fucking get-go. And credit where credit is due, Juliana Pena capitalized on that, implemented the game plan that she had laid down, thinking that she would be able to do that to Amanda Nunez any day of the fucking week. She got her game plan implemented, implemented, excuse me, and she got herself a belt for a couple months. Then we found out for certain with medical receipts to fucking verify, Amanda was dealing with long haul fucking COVID symptoms. She had a fucking knee injury and several other issues that led her to just flat out not have properly been in fighting condition and realistically should have probably pulled out from the first fight and then saturday night comes along and we all got a glimpse of what amanda nunez looks like when she's healthy and she's got a normal training camp because saturday night looked exactly like all of the world expected the first fight to look like because none of us at the time had any idea that the cards that Amanda Nunez was dealing with stacked against her at that time. Saturday night was the demonstration of why Amanda Nunez is one of the baddest females on the planet, period. Because at her best, there are very, very few women in any organization who can beat her. We might have a couple here in the UFC, but none that have even come close recently. Credit to Juliana for getting her fucking belt when she did, how she did. But Saturday was, as they like to say, setting the record right. In my yeah. it, that really was. The only thing I got out of that other than I'm not eating my fucking beard this week is... Um... <laughs> Juliana Pena is one tough fucking cookie. Like, she's legitimately probably the toughest broad in that division. Possibly toughest woman in the UFC. Because she took a fucking beating from hell. Oh, uh, don't get me wrong. Dana White did overstate she's missing a chunk of her forehead. She wasn't missing it. It was just split that far well, that it looked like it. We we learned in the post fight that Dana Dr. Dana doesn't know shit because no fracture turned out to be bullshit as well. So fuck Dr. Dana and his yeah. post fight medical diagnoses. But yeah. So, but yeah, so that that shit aside, I will say she did have one spot in there where it looked like that arm bar she had was deep as shit. It was unfortunate that for her that 
Nunes was right next to the cage because it made it a lot easier for her to get out. Because as deep as that was, if they were in the middle, there's no way Nunes would have pulled out of that fucking arm. Yeah, yeah that could have been the end of it. Had there been prob- if they had enough room to actually put and the pressure on. I, I give her so much. I give Penny so much fucking credit, not because she took a beating, but she kept throwing up fucking submission attempts, sweep attempts. Like she wasn't giving up the whole fucking fight. She did not give up. She showed what it is to be a champion, and you keep fucking going. You go out on your shield, and that's exactly what she did. And hats off to her. Congrats. You are now a former champion, but the belt is back where it fucking belongs. Great. You know, can't I can't say it any other way. Yeah. No, Pena's tough as fucking $2 boot leather, man. There's, there's no fucking doubt about it, but no, that that's Amanda's fucking belt until somebody better comes along. And unfortunately for her, Juliana Pena is not that somebody better. So be interesting to see where, where things go forward. But uh, that being said, we did, however, I, I don't know how or why we got there, but we did, however, get back to the thing that I love so fucking much for, I don't know fucking why, what reason, uh, two performance bonuses, one fight of the night bonus, the way the MMA deities intended it to fucking be. Um, performance of the night bonuses went to Drew Dober for that fucking amazing body shot and the human backpack, Alexandre Pantoja. Understandable on both fucking counts there. Uh, fight of the night went to Brandon Moreno versus Kaya Kara France. Uh, I completely fucking agree with all three of those. Um, there, there are arguments to be made for a couple of others, but I, I can absolutely get behind all three of those bonuses. That being said, it was uh, the epitome of how they used to do bonuses: knockout of the night, submission of the night, and fight of the night. Nothing else. Fight of the night. Exactly. It was fucking. It was the thing of beauty, and I think it only worked out that way because, to be honest, with you, the other ones that were finishes, Daddy Dana didn't approve of. Right. So he didn't see them as being worthy of it. Which, to be honest, I'm okay with because. The knockout of the night could not have been fucking um, Derek Lewis popping up so quick. And it sure as fuck couldn't have been Anthony Smith going out with a broken ankle. That's what I said. There there was an argument, I say with air quotes for those of you listening, to be made for other fights. But no, I'm I'm glad that it went the way that it did. Um, Unfortunately, though, that being said, uh, these fights did take place in Texas. Um, For those of you who are uninitiated, Texas has some of the most questionable slash fucking ridiculous medical uh, suspensions when it comes to their athletic commission that have ever been fucking reported. And this was no exception to that fucking ridiculousness. We did get the medical suspensions. Um, There are four different categories here. No fucking sense rhyme or reason to any of them. The first category are those who are suspended until August 7th. Pantoja and Perez and Goliath and then uh, Nikolai Negamariano. The next category, those who are suspended until August 9th. Blood Diamond and Cochise both. Uh, Edwards, Hafa Garcia, despite his ass whooping. Dante Miles, Morono, weird then our third one september 14th 
Semi the Jedi, and Brandon Moreno. Then the last one here, uh, September 29th, 15 days more, which is equally as fucking weird. Uh, Kaya Kara, France. Oh, no, excuse me. It's all, I, I'm sorry, I read it wrong. Uh, it's August 30th, excuse me. Uh, Pavlovich, Derek Lewis, Anthony Smith, who's undergoing surgery currently. Um, <laughs> Hamdi, who didn't really take any damage. And Gian Kim. The rest are on the indefinite suspension list. indefinite suspension for the rest of the card fuck around come on texas come on texas <sighs> that being said um not a whole lot of news a couple of interesting announcements here i'm going to try and jot through them as quickly as i can here uh first one unfortunately uh not this coming week but next week august 13th San Diego card in UFC, or excuse me, UFC card in San Diego has unfortunately lost Aspen Ladd. She got herself a ticket to the Backstreet Boys reunion this week. Um, they have not confirmed yet whether they are going to look for an official replacement or try and rebook that yet. Just confirmed as of now that fight is off the card regardless. Um, We've got an interesting matchup here on October 1st UFC card. Uh, a pair of former Invicta FC ladies cracking at it. Julia Stoliarenko, who is on a crazy fucking resurgence as of lately, welcoming Chelsea Chandler in her UFC debut. Both former UFC, or excuse me, both former Invicta FC standouts. going to be interesting to see those two ladies get back after it. Uh, over on the other side of things, on the Bellator side of things, October 1st will be their Bellator 286 card, which got two humongous fights added to it this week. The first of which being AJ McKee making his lightweight debut over in Bellator against one of the crunchiest of fucking cans they could have possibly thrown to him. The Alpha Ginger himself, Spike fucking Carlisle. But the other fight that's been added to that card, as if it wasn't fucking hilarious enough with McKee making his debut in lightweight against fucking Carlisle, is none other than his rival himself, Pitbull, making the 145-pound belt defense against Adam Boric. Now that Sydney Outlaw got his ass handed to him and the whole fucking division over there is shaken up, Adam Boric is officially getting his fucking title shot on the card where AJ makes his lightweight debut. So everything is all kinds of fucking crazy over on the Bellator side of things right now. That being said, back over on the UFC side of the house, uh, as if they hadn't done enough, I say staring directly into the camera, anyone who's just listening to this on the all audio version of the fucking podcast. UFC 280 in Abu Dhabi, October 22nd, has more fights that have been added to it. This week, we got not one, but two more fucking fights added to that damn card. The first of them being Kai Baralo versus Mahmoud Muradov, which is a very interesting fight all the way across the board. All kinds of potential fucking prospect implications there. But the one that I think everyone's really more excited about, in my opinion, at least, Mohamed Mukaev getting right back in there against Malcolm Gordon. 
that's going to be a fucking spectacular matchup stylistically. That's just fucking chef's kiss on that card, in my opinion. Um, both very interesting, but they are just trying to extremely overload Abu Dhabi in the event anything fucking falls off, I think. That being said, uh, they are not taking any chances on the Abu Dhabi hangover card either because also this week after we got the pair of announcements for Abu Dhabi, we got a trifecta of announcements for the card the following week, UFC event in uh that's right. As of now, it's undisclosed location. They haven't announced it, but it's a, a fight night card the week after Abu Dhabi. I'm sure they're going to want to go somewhere other than Vegas. Um, October 29th, the first of which, Chase Hooper versus Steve Garcia. Very interesting matchup. Uh, Steve Garcia definitely needs a win. Chase Hooper needs a chance to show out. Could be interesting either way, depending on how it shakes loose. Um, the second one. Andre Arlovsky makes his 40th UFC appearance, taking on Marcus Rogerio de Lima. Um, again, this is another one of those situations where I don't think anyone's excited that this fight happens, but it's a weird situation where you kind of almost unintentionally hope that this is the one that just knocks him the fuck out and they make him stop fighting, but we'll, we'll see. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, but the third fight, the one that everyone's most excited about this little grouping as well, um, Edson Barbosa versus Ilya Taporia. That fight just made my fucking week, made my whole goddamn week hearing that that one was locked in. That's going to be fucking crazy. And I like it. <laughs> Um, last minute late year announcement here. Uh, the December 3rd card for the UFC has had an announcement inked this week. Amanda Hebus officially getting back into the octagon, taking on none other than T City's old lady, Tracy Cortez. That is a very, very interesting matchup as well. Both of those ladies absolutely need a win, and stylistically that could be almost as fun as it's going to be aesthetically to watch. Um, that being said, um, non-fight announcement news, um, a couple of interesting announcements here. Uh, the first of which we got word this week that Kamaru Usman has officially been cast in the new Black Panther 2 Wakanda Forever. Good for him, make that money, but as has been shown time and time again, taking things like that while you are an active fighter tends to generally be more detrimental than beneficial. The boost it gives your wallet generally does not balance out to the detriment it does to your fight game. So knowing that this movie is already done, ready, and getting ready to hit theaters, and Usman didn't seem to really get too much of a blip, most likely because they did it while he had surgery and was recovering, We'll see. We know it's not a major role, but we'll, we'll see how it shakes loose. Uh, the reason I open with that Wait. is because it follows up. Oh, is that a reason for me to not watch that movie now? Since I can't stand fucking Marty from Nebraska. I mean, it's I didn't really need a reason not to watch that movie, but that gives me extra motivation to not care. So, I mean, fair enough. <laughs> no. Uh, the reason I opened with that one, though, is because it rolls into the next piece of news here uh, that immediately was followed by the announcement that they have officially cast Jake Gyllenhaal 
to play a quote-unquote washed-up ex-UFC fighter in the reboot of the Patrick Swayze-famed Roadhouse film. Not only are they casting Jake Gyllenhaal as the lead in the new Roadhouse reboot to be a washed-up ex-UFC fighter, they have created an all-new original character for this reboot to be played by none other than the notorious himself, one Conor McGregor. So... Oh, they're going to bring back the days of when people thought being a bouncer was cool. They're, they're trying. They're they're trying so hard, I say, completely seriously, for those of you listening. Wink, wink. I've had to do it. Not a cool job. Yeah, no, I've been there, done that. It's it's not nearly as glorious as Swayze tried to fucking make it out to be. <laughs> Swayze did a fantastic job of making it glorious, though. Absolutely. To be fair. Absolutely. I wish it was really like that, but no. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's going to be interesting. If you remember, they originally had tried to reboot this about 10 years ago and wanted Ronda Rousey to do it. However, Ronda Rousey ran into this little speed bump in her career that some of you guys might be familiar with uh, by the name of, uh, oh yeah, Amanda Nunez. Um so when Rhonda got her ass handed to her and then decided to take her fucking toys and go home, the movie producers are like, well, maybe that's not who we want to represent badass. Uh, Connor, despite being on the fucking most laughable losing streak of his fucking career right now, is still arguably as popular as he's ever been. And nothing that has gone on over the last couple of years has seemed to tarnish his reputation at all. So I totally get why they were like, yo, we can't get Connor to be the lead, but let's make him a fucking part in this. I get it. I get it. So I'm not saying that's going to make it any better. I'm just saying I understand their logic. So we'll we'll definitely have to see what, if anything, actually happens as that comes out. I swear to God, if he tries to do an American fucking accent, I'm going to die. I'm just afraid they're going to have him try and play Sam Elliott's character. And I... I like I get it. I know that Conor McGregor owns a motorcycle, but I don't want to see him get off one and try and say "miho" in an Irish accent. I, I'm just saying, Sam Elliott's still alive. That's 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 what I'm like. Don't don't try and make Conor McGregor the Sam Elliott from this Roadhouse. Don't don't do that. I'm looking at you, Hollywood. Don't do that. Oh, that being said, though, um. We had we actually had just talked about this. Uh, I don't remember if it was last week or the week before, but in in within the last month or so, on this exact fucking show, we had actually talked about this very subject. Well, it came to fruition over the course of this week. I'm I'm a little sad at how it came to fruition, but again, I understand that it came to fruition. Um, we got the official announcement that James Kraus is now officially retired from MMA. Um, he will continue on as a coach. Obviously, Glory MMA is looking as good as ever up in Kansas City, kicking ass, taking names, and now with a big fucking gold belt to hang on the walls if they needed more fucking advertisement. So I completely understand it. If I remember correctly, the last time he was in an interview, he said he had like 15 different students under his belt that are either on the belt or the PFL or the UFC, one of those top level fucking rosters. So his time is already stretched very thin. 
add to that the fact that we found out he's got several different vertebrae issues in his neck, one of which has been keeping him from being able to do any training other than walking for months, despite the fact that he literally just trained a fucking interim champion out of the fucking gym. So I get it. We talked many, many, many times about how fucking dollar store peanut butter thin James Krause has spread himself when it comes to time for himself. So I absolutely get it. And this is, again, one of those situations where I'm not happy that we're seeing a guy retire. I'm happy at how we're seeing a guy retire. He is about to become one of potentially the greatest coaches in the future of MMA, in my opinion. He's very, very capable, and he gets to stop fighting while he still has the ability to form complete sentences and tie his own shoes. That's always a win, in my opinion. Weird I mean, as that is. I mean and, so, like, and like we discussed months ago, he is reinvesting with a gym. He yeah. owns his own gym. Yeah, he doesn't he's, have to worry about his future. He's he's reinvested. Everybody's so worried about making that money real quick and not thinking long term. Well, you have James Krause, who is arguably a – you can't talk about a coach and James Krause not come up in conversation for the UFC or for MMA in general. But that man has – beat the shit out of his body, retired when he knows he needs to, and has something to consistently bring in income so he can still take care of himself. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, It's it's a bittersweet moment here. I'm I'm sad that we're not going to see him in the octagon himself, but at the same time, uh, this is one of the situations where, in my opinion, as good as a fighter as he was, he's 10 times better as a coach, and it shines through the people talking about him who have been there firsthand so uh, i'm almost more excited now that we know he's going full-time coaching and gets to devote absolutely because man watching him corner people is fucking amazing so to imagine what he's doing inside of that gym (laughs) and now that he's got fucking nice shiny new interim belt over there that's going to bring people to him in droves because obviously the man knows what the fuck he's doing. So, and who knows? You might get Marino to give him a little fucking help on how to teach people some fight IQ and things like that. Just That just make him look even better when you've got that big of a fucking stud in your gym. Yeah, and I was going to say, Brandon actually said after the fight too, he's staying in Kansas City. This wasn't a let's see how this camp works out. He loved everything about how this camp went. And he spent most of this camp in Missouri with James Krause in fucking Kansas City. So he committed and came and fucking stayed. And obviously the results speak for them fucking selves. I would be very fucking happy to hear that fucking Brandon Moreno is going to buy himself a fucking house out in fucking Wyandotte somewhere and be training full time out of fucking Kansas City. Like that gym is already fucking great, but to see the fucking writing literally on the wall and see what he's capable of and start to see that really building now. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with that. Um, that being said, we got an interview this week with the CEO of PFL. Um, two big talking points really that he brought up a lot of bullshit because it's, the PFL and that's what they're specializing in, but two big points that he did make that I do feel are worth addressing. 
The first is that he openly said that the PFL is actively trying to pursue a Kayla Harrison versus Cyborg cross promotion and that they are willing to do whatever needs to be done to make the cross promotion happen, that they don't want to build a one fight card, but that is obviously one of the biggest fights they could potentially make. And they are willing to use that as the main event and the olive branch to extend and try and start some realistic cross promotion. That I think is very, very big because if Kayla really does want to get at Amanda and especially now that Amanda's got her fucking belt back, I think Kayla should, if she's fucking smart, the best way to do that since she's locked into her PFL contract until the end of 2024, regardless, take the fucking super fight for anyone who's not initiated. Kayla Harrison has a very unique situation with the PFL right now. She is the $1 million divisional champion with an exclusionary clause for the 2023 quote unquote PFL season. She does not have to participate, but retains her belt because in 2023, the PFL is focusing on a pay-per-view based quote unquote super fight league where they're wanting to put on fights like cyborg versus Kayla Harrison and strange large legitimate big name fights and try and encourage cross promotion which we're all a fucking fan of um opening with this Kayla and cyborg potential being the first one of what they would like to see many I think is a very smart move on everyone's behalf here but the second thing that he said is almost more interesting to me as crazy as them being open about trying to make a Kayla fucking Harrison cyborg cross promotional main event super fight happen. The second thing that he said is what really got my and a lot of people's attention. He said flat out in no uncertain terms. Once this fall plays out, Nate Diaz will become a free agent who clearly has no urge to re-sign a contract with the UFC. And the PFL is very interested in trying to make Nate Diaz one of the potential new faces of their organization. And they understand everything that that entails and everything that it would require. And they're still willing to try to play ball. Sometimes it takes crazy to corral crazy. That's how that works. I'm saying sometimes when you're wrangling cats, you need a cat. Or the whole fucking army that comes with it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, it. it's, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying I think it's going to happen. I'm saying that this man is boldly publicly saying some very interesting things that should be followed up on. So just something to keep in the back of your noodle that being said speaking of things that should have been kept in the back of their noodle the last piece of news i want to talk about real quick here is a weird one as if we generally like to cover anything else um we got confirmation yesterday that the brazilian congress has a new contender should we say uh, a new hat has been thrown into the political ring that is Brazil. None other than Vandalay Silva himself is officially running for Congress in Brazil. I don't know if there is a better example of someone who should not be trusted to make thought out and logical decisions, let alone for the behalf of lots of others, but... I also understand that a good part of Brazil's politics and their government in general is largely migrated towards celebrity. So 
I understand that someone who has a large celebrity following from prideful days of fighting could also carry that celebrity potentially into the political arena. And it looks like Vandy's going to give it a shot. You know, as bad shit crazy as that sounds, it can't go any worse than the governor. It can't go worse than fucking, uh, yeah, what was Minnesota's governor? Fucking whatever the fuck his name was. Jesse. Look, Jesse, yeah, it can't go yeah. Jesse mind. And, you know, I'm just saying. Goddamn sexual Tyrannosaurus. The only problem I see there is if he is sitting in Brazil's Congress and gets into an argument, somebody is going to get hurt. And it's likely to be the person he gets in an argument with. He's not going to be as highly trained as he is. And then it's just going to end up as a complete shit show. And we're going to see it all over the news fucking worldwide. I agree. I, I absolutely agree. Uh, but that being said, uh, that is all I have got for the news for this particular week. Any of you gentlemen have anything interesting that might have popped off that I missed? Not that I can think of off the top of my head right now, no. The only one that was interesting to me, the most interesting thing was the James Krause thing this week, outside of the fight announcement. But the James Krause thing was definitely my biggest mention of the week. Right. So with that being said, uh, that will be the point in the show where if you are just listening the week later on anchor.fm slash I know Joe, unfortunately for you, you won't get to enjoy the full ambiance that is presented on youtube.com slash I'm no Joe's video where the gif rolling across the screen lets you know that the fun and lighthearted atmosphere we generally keep up around here has left the darkness has sept in and crept through this is the moment ladies and gentlemen we like to call the pit now this evening we have a beautiful little moment here we have a rare opportunity where we get to have a new guy fight we don't get those very often uh, we have got ourselves a moment here where the previous iteration of the show's new guy has come back from a long layoff to take on the current show's new guy. And I am fucking here for it. So in light of this glorious matchup we have upon us, <laughs> help us roll out the end of our season six episode here. Golfy and I are going to co-special event judge this one here. And we are going to let the new guys head it up for the pit. You're not going to be able to do this in fairness uh hey uh christian nice to meet you my name's rj um i saw you here last week i was watching while i was at work um what was the last event you watched oh me yeah last week last week okay hey meter when was the last time i was on the show uh are you gonna ask questions about tough no two months ago Two months ago, three months ago, two, three months ago. Yeah, when yeah. I think, yes. Yeah, so no, we're gonna really... we're gonna hold true with with pit tradition here. It, it'll be okay. just fine and dandy. I'm I'm telling okay. you, it'll be all right. You don't have okay, to be scared. It'll to, be okay. I was about to veto the fuck out of you. No, no, we'll, it will be all right. It'll be okay. We'll, we'll, we'll feed you. <laughs> You'll be okay. So, on account of it being a new setup here, uh, we're gonna let the actual new guy, new guy go first to kick things off. So for round one, question one, we're gonna open things with a little question I like to refer to as, what the fuck am I watching? There is a whole card 
coming up this weekend, fights top to bottom on it. And inevitably, there is one that people just will not shut the fuck up about. And there is no fucking reason. You need to waste two seconds of your fucking time looking at that bullshit that they have dribblishly guided you to for no fucking reason. Some folks might even call it an overhyped fight of the cards. So what I'm asking, sir... Which fight to you stands out as the unjustifiably pushed for this weekend? Which one? Christian, Christian you're up. Me? me? No, Christian, the new, new guy. You're, okay. you're the old, new guy, but I just heard new guy. I heard new guy. Well, to me, he was the new new guy because I've been here for the past three months. So that's where I was confused. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. I that's why I was sitting here waiting. Oh, the fucking gloves are off. Here we go. I'm, I'm giving him an extra three seconds on the timer for that. Christian, <laughs> the question is yours first, sir. <laughs> All right. Well, now that I know it, I'm first. <laughs> fucking uh, Muhammad Usman versus Zach Pauga. I'm going to say this is an overhyped fight. I'd like to put both of the Ultimate Fighter finales in with this, but, you know, obviously we can only pick one. So I think the Muhammad fight's been talked about more just because he's Kamaru's brother. He's Kamaru's little brother, but this guy cannot fight. I know you guys, you know, golf team meter, you guys probably didn't watch any of the Ultimate Fighter season this but out of any of the fights that this guy had, it's just he's so tentative. He's so held back. It's like you think Kamara Usman, right, as a heavyweight, and he's really, really fucking bad. That, that's what Muhammad is. He's Kamaru. It's a giant size, and he's awful. He can wrestle a little bit, but striking's just not there. And Zach Pauga, he hasn't lost yet in his professional career, and he, he's got some decent power. He, he, he showed a little bit. I don't think this is going to be an exciting fight by any stretch of the imagination. They've got this, what, in the people's main event spot. It's definitely been talked about a lot, him being Kamara's brother and everything. This isn't going to be an exciting fight, even if it's a heavyweight fight. This is going to be like two grown men playing patty cake. And I, don't, I don't want to see either one of them be crowned the ultimate fighter because neither one of them, I think, can do much with their careers they're just not they're not exciting fighters and it's gonna be a boring fight definitely the most overhyped what the fuck fight of the week i can definitely i can definitely see that point as well so rj that'll bring it back over to you uh with a card bringing us out of international fight month there's something on here that somebody just won't quit yapping about, and it's a total waste of fucking time. So to you, sir, I say, what is your overhyped fight of the card this coming weekend? For me personally, it's the opening fight for the main card. Your opening fight should be something that, like, gets your fucking attention. Uh, yeah, a Lipsky fight, that doesn't get your fucking attention. As, like, hey, I spent, like, I spent a little bit of money to get UFC fight pass to watch events, your opening card, the opening fight should be something. Both these, these women, they're not horrible, but they go back and forth on fucking victories. 
uh, their only victories really are against relative fucking nobodies because they're both pretty fucking shit. And that's that like you could have you could have changed this entire card up, at least the main card. You could have changed that entire fucking main card up and done something a whole lot more exciting for your opening fight for your main card. I would have been happy seeing that Terrence McKinney fight being the opening fucking fight for the main card. That would have been a hell of a way to be like, hey, motherfuckers, shit's getting real now. Uh, the two ladies, ain't it? Legitimate point. Very legitimate point here. Um, I will say, uh, I agree with both of you gentlemen. Uh, I, I think Usman's brother is probably a horrible fucking pick. Uh, I don't see him bringing much more fucking pride to that family name. Uh, and I also don't think that if you're looking for the most exciting fight to get people into a card, that Lipsky versus Cashuera is necessarily the fucking fight that you go with, especially when T-Rex is on the card. Um, you know it's not the best, but sometimes the UFC do be working with what they got. Sometimes they're just fucking around a lot. <sighs> I don't know. Uh, in, in this situation here, uh, we are going to have to go, despite it being a little bit of low-hanging fruit, we are going to give the opening round point to Christian. So with round two, we will flip that coin around as it were both proverbial proverbially and metaphorically here uh this round rj we will let you have the question first here but we are looking at the opposite sign of the fight card if you will uh the first question being the overhyped fight this question i like to refer to as hey mom get in here and look at this uh, this time I'm looking for that one fight on the card that nobody has said a fucking word about that you're going to really fucking regret come Sunday morning if you weren't watching live. I just might said even call it a dark horse. I just said mine. My dark horse is McKinney. He just came, he just came off his first, his first loss in the UFC. I'm really interested to see what he does to change his game to come back with this fight. But then he's also fighting Eric Gonzalez, who his first professional debut fight was against fucking A-10 Miller, which that is a shit fucking debut. <laughs> that is, that ain't, that ain't, that ain't the debut you want. So I'm very excited to see what he can bring to the table because you're going up, up against fucking Miller. You are fucked. You can just lay down and just tap three times while he's just holding your ankle. That's that's base case scenario for your fucking debut fight. I'm very excited to see what he can do, but I'm also excited to see what Terrence McKinney can do coming back from his first loss in the UFC. That is my dark horse. Interesting. Very interesting indeed. Uh, I, I do agree that that fight's not getting nearly as much publicity as, as I feel that it should be. Uh, I'm not 100% certain why, but I do agree that that fight certainly could use some more fucking promotion on its behalf either way. So that brings us back across the octagon, as it were, here to you, Christian. Uh, what fight on this card is just completely flying under everyone's fucking radar and deserves everyone to be putting fucking 
keeping the eye on you, fucker. All right, so there's not a lot, in my opinion, right, to be excited about. I don't think there's a lot flying under the radar. It's right, right, you know, in the perfect spot. Goldilocks radar for most of these fucking fights. But one fight I haven't heard a lot about, but I have seen the tail of the tape, and I like this statistic on And I also like this prospect, Corey McKenna versus Miranda Granger. Miranda Granger has a 10-inch reach advantage. It's something I've never seen too often in any sort of fight, especially in a chick fight. Corey McKenna hasn't shown us too much since she's gotten in the UFC. She's definitely really young, right? She's only like 22. So I just want to see what she's got. So this is my dark horse. This is where I feel like I might get some excitement out of the prelims. This might be the best ladies fight. We get a few ladies fights on this card. I feel like this might wind up being the best one. And especially if we wind up seeing Corey McKenna show us something special against a chick that she's five inches shorter than and she's got a a 10 inch reach disadvantage. Just that really intrigued me seeing that stat when I was doing my tapology picks. And I'm like, wow, Ranger's got 10 inches on her. What? What? Well, this is going to be impressive if Corey McKenna goes out there and throws something down against this chick. No, Granger's not, not nothing special to fighter. It's just a special statistic. Who have you ever seen go out there have that kind of disadvantage in a fight? And, you know, how's she going to be able to get in there with that reach? So for me, that's the dark horse. That's where I feel like we might get a little excitement, potentially the best ladies fight. So. I definitely agree. Uh, I, I think that's a very good point as well. And I, I, I do absolutely agree that for whatever reason, Corey McKenna is sliding way under the radar. She, again, she hasn't shown us a whole lot yet, but I, I think based on what she's shown in the past period, she's got a very bright future as well. Not to mention five inch fucking difference and attendance reach advantage. So this makes shit a little crazy. Yeah. You know, I'm in agreement with that to an extent. But have, the one thing that throws me off about that fight is have you watched Granger? She's gotten her ass whipped by a bunch of short motherfuckers. Oh, yeah. I said bunch she's short motherfuckers. So it's not like she actually knows how to use the reach. The only thing this can teach yeah. us about fucking McKenna is that she knows how to get inside of a large reach of someone who doesn't know how to use it. Uh, to be honest, may as well be punching punching bag for that fucking reason. <laughs> so you know, that other side of the house where I'm gonna make the call for us here. I have to give the point to RJ, but not because of his fight. He knows we like T-Rex. But because that motherfucker cheated. He cheated on something you don't know about here. You bring up A10 in any way, shape, or fashion, that's an automatic fucking point. If it pertains to that fucking fighter or the fight that is going on in some way, shape, or fashion, that's an automatic point because A-10 Jim Miller gets in there. So it wasn't for his fight that he picked. It's just he fucking cheated and wins the point. That's how that works. He got a he got a he got a cheating fucking groin kick in there on you. We didn't see it happen. All right, so we just got an iPhone. All right, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Give me my five that's, minutes. 
<laughs> it's, not, it's not anything you can brag about, but get away with one there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so turning things back around, as it were, here for round three. Uh, Christian, we will give you this one first here. Uh, this time around, we've got a very unique, to say the least, co-main event looking at us this weekend here. Uh, there's no big title implications. It realistically, one way or another, isn't going to shake the division up or turn it on its head or anything. But at the same time, we have got two dyed-in-the-wool tough motherfuckers ready to clash heads this weekend. So my question for you, sir, how the fuck does that co-main event play out? Well, I think this is going to be fight of the night. I think this is the only fight I'm really excited Like. If, if you're a casual fan, if you're somebody that doesn't tune in, die hard, if you're not interested in the Ultimate Fighter, tune in for this. Like, th this is going to be the one fight on this card that's going to be the banger. These guys are going to come to throw some fucking leather. They're going to give it their all. Um, I haven't seen Jeff Neal fight, like, personally, outside of the Contender Series since he's been in the UFC. So I'm excited about that in general, getting to see him fight live. Instead of like going back and rewatching his fights, uh, Vicente Luque, he always fucking brings it. You know, he had a tough go of it earlier in the year against Bilal Muhammad. But uh, Jeff Neal's not technically that guy to wrestle and kind of control the, the pace that way like Bilal. So this is going to be an exciting match. I think both guys are going to stay standing and they're just going to just fucking let it loose. I feel like this is the only fight we're going to get where we're going to see that. So that's how I think it's going to play out. Blood. Very interesting indeed. No, I, I tend <laughs> to agree. This, this, this fight has a lot of potential to be fucking crazy and shake the whole damn card up for sure. So the question comes back to you then, RJ. With the silent assassin versus Jeffrey with a G in our co-main event this weekend. How the fuck does this one actually play out when the cards are all said and done? Oh, for me personally, um, uh, I'm going with Vicente Luque because he has something over the last year has happened in that man's head. Something has sparked, something has come together, whether it's just training camp or just his mentality in general. To where he, he has come up to a, an, another level from where we saw in 2020 and 2021 during the uh, the pandemic. Something has happened with that man, and he is throwing caution to the wind. His Kiesa fight was a fucking prime example of what the fuck did I just watch that man do for like 45 seconds rolling on the fucking ground. Um, uh, but... Neil is not a guy they can he's not as both of you gentlemen would say he's not a slouch he he's had he's had a pretty good fucking go of it over the last couple of years but with Vicente Luque with what he's done over the last year I have to give it to, 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 to him primarily on he has brought something different to the game every fight. I just have to give it to him. Since I didn't actually make a pick, I'm gonna I, I gotta say Jeff Neal. I think he's a dog, and I think Vicente Luque 
he, he's not necessarily that old, but he's been through a lot of wars. And I, I kind of oh. wonder if that damage is going to start adding up. And this is definitely going to be another war for him. So, yeah, we'll that's, a, that's, a, that's a damn good point. <sighs> okay, so uh, I, I can definitely see uh, both sides of things here. Uh, I do have to say, though, uh, I don't see a world in which Jeff Neal could carry a bucket full of fucks to make me give out. Uh, Jeff Neal squandered every bit of potential he had built up with the Neal versus Neal violence when we had potential for Neal Magny versus Jeff Neal to be one of the greatest name battles in the UFC, and they both collectively shit the bed and were proud of it. Um, we haven't seen him get absolutely crushed, but there's been nothing that we've seen from Jeff Neal, in my opinion, since that fight, maybe even the first, the last couple fights before that, that have really given me any kind of hope that he's going to be able to turn this around or do anything really impressive. On the other hand, Vicente Luque is the silent assassin for a reason. He doesn't need to go out in the media and talk all that shit. When Vicente gets in the cage, his actions speak louder than words. Um, He's that new got, age GSP. I, I got nothing against <laughs> Jeff Neal. I wish him all the best, but I can't see a fucking world in which he fucking takes this fight. Um, we've got to give the point for round three here to RJ for that one. Yeah. Luke is Luke is like that, like the 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 the, the new iteration of Saint Pierre because he's quiet, very well spoken, very respectful. But whenever the cage door shut, that is a fucking beast. <laughs> you know, I gotta add something to this. Outside of um, again, I have to mention that that's fucking fantastic. He doesn't know how to spell Jeff right, so that's an automatic <laughs> failure there. But Jeff hasn't done anything respectable since 2019 when he fucking knocked out Nico Price and then um, knocked out Aluminum Mike, which uh, fucking Aluminum, so not surprised there, but still, that was the last notable things that he's done. I mean, right. don't me wrong, okay, he did take a blow Muhammad to decision and beat him in 2019, but then he promptly got his fucking ass whipped by him Again, later. So, I mean, it's a the dude's a shit show, shit show. And this was before Blaw was fucking what he is now an absolute fucking killer. So, I mean, it Jeff Neal just doesn't have it, dude. I mean, don't get me wrong, the guy's obviously got a chin because he can take a fucking licking, but he can't, he's he barely squeaked out his last win over fucking Ponzanibio. I mean, it was a split fucking decision. Who split decisions Ponzan and Nibio, really? And yeah, that was gracious to get him there to begin with. Yeah, I agree. I, I, that is, I, I agree. Uh, my only point in why I think Jeff Neal, like I said, the, the point that I made with Vicente going through the wars, and I definitely feel like you said, I mean, Jeff Neal, he is that dog. He's got a good chin, and it is going to be a war. So. I don't want to discredit Luca. Give him all the respect in the world. He's a badass. I think it's going to be tough for Jeff Neal if he gets it, and that's how he'd get it. Close decision victory. But it's just wondering, are all those wars going to catch up to Vicente? Not saying that Neal's going to knock him out by any means. Right, right. Just 
is it going to get to him that he slows down towards the trail end of the fight once they get into that little bit of a dog fight? Right. That's that's just how I've been thinking. Yeah. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out for sure. But that'll bring us to round four here and bring us back over to the other side of things here. So, RJ, we will have you kick off our round four question here. And for that, we flip that proverbial coin back over to the other side as well. For the round four question, my question to you, sir, with our main event this weekend, obviously not being the most exciting fight they could have potentially thrown at us. But at the same time, it's also a hangover card. So there's only so much to be accepted, expected. Excuse me. Uh, that being said, it's still Jamal Hill versus Tiago Santos. We've seen much worse fights, main events, fight cards. So my question to you, sir, Jamal Hill versus Tiago Santos. Two men enter, one man leaves. How does it shake loose? Jamal Hill, for me, oh, ever, ever since that John Jones 2019 fight, Santos has never been the same. He's won one fight since then out of five or six fights, I believe. But every time you could, like, he, he gets a leg kick, he babies that leg. He babies that leg a little bit because in his head – he is fucking scared of getting another fucking leg injury. Jamal Hill is going to look at that and be like, okay, motherfucker, I'm taking your legs out. I am inside calf kicking fucking John Joeing the fuck out of both of your legs. They are wrecked. You're not going to be able to fucking have no power to sprawl to get me to the ground. You're not going to be able to do shit. And the the weird the weird shit that Hill does in and of itself, he's lost one fight against fucking the Bear Jew, which that is hats off to you, my friend. You lost to a beast of a human being. Uh, but he is always consistent, shows the fuck up, shows out, but he evolves himself continuously, always sharp always sharpening out uh, uh, or ironing out what he has, sharpening new things, just ev evolving that the, 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 his toolbox consistently. Santos knows what he's good at and he sticks with that. And whenever you have s s somebody doing weird shit that you've never seen before, you lose nine times out of 10. And Jamal Hill knows the one thing to fuck his world up. That's low leg kicks. Very true. Very true. It's going to be interesting indeed. So that brings us back over to you, Christian. We have got maybe not the most highly anticipated main <clears throat> event, but definitely better than some of the ones that we've seen this year for damn sure. Uh, in the form of Tiago Maheta Santos versus Jamal Hill. How do you think this one shakes out? when the final bell closes, sir. All right. So it's hard to look any other way other than Jamal Hill. Same for me. Uh, Tiago Santos has been one of the most boring, if not the most boring fighter in the UFC for the past few years. I mean, ever since before the John Jones fight, right? He, the John Jones fight was a little disappointing. And then obviously he had his knee injuries. And ever since then, he just hasn't been the same. 
he's just been a, a tentative fighter, seemingly afraid to just get in the fight to just show his heart. Um, he's got that knockout power. We know we know what he was capable of, what he used to do, and I'm sure what he could still do. It just seems like his mind hasn't really been in. You know, Jamal Hill, though, this is where it's exciting. You could have that mentality of it's going to be Tiago Santos' fight. If he has his way, it's going to be another boring fight. But Jamal Hill, he just brings it, and he just keeps keeps it coming. He's going to he's going to push the pace, and he's going to give us that exciting fight. I don't know if Tiago Santos is going to be able to withstand it. You know, it, it, if he gets the leg kicks, maybe that that'll bother him because of the leg injury. But we, we've seen Jamal Hill; he loves to sling the sling the fist. He's going to try to knock Tiago Santos out. And we're going to see if Tiago Santos has the chin to withstand it. And uh, if that, maybe we'll see five rounds of similar to last week or what Pena took. Tiago Santos taking a compelling ass whooping. Or uh, we're, we're going to see him get put to sleep. Because Jamal Hill's just not going to stop. He's got a great fucking gas tank. That guy works his gas off. And He's an exciting up-and-coming fighter. So that's where this this main event's going to be exciting, in my opinion. Jamal Hill, he's going to get that that finish victory. Climb up in the rankings, even if it's not as exciting as we'd like. I, I can definitely see that as well. I can definitely see that as well. You know, uh, since I'm going to play the bad guy here, both of you did miss one thing that I think you both could have done a little bit better here. Either one of you guys mentioned the new fucking kid in the house, Aldo Santos, giving him that extra little drive. Sometimes that extra new kid dad drive is a real fucking thing. Both of you guys fucking miss that. Maybe that's the parent in me thinking of those types of things, but that'll give you that. Yeah, extra I'm drive. young. I don't have any kids of my own. It's not a factor I look into. I'm sorry. The other side of that coin as well, though, is that with a new baby in the house, if you think you're getting the amount of sleep that you're used to, you're fucking wrong. Point blank. If, you're the, so. if you do things the right way, yeah, you fucking are. Get the fuck out of bed. Go get the kid. <laughs> but if anything was proven with last week, right? Like, since you brought that up, Dolph, to you, anything's proven last week with, like, Alex Morona, well, maybe you got to take those little fucking extra tidbits into account, even if I think it's bullshit, right? You know, the great Sometimes. white during Shark Week. Uh, I'm just saying some of those things are legitimate, but no. To be honest, I'm on board with both of you guys. Uh, Fucking Santos, to be honest, unless he does something drastic and completely just molly wops him and fucking dog walks him through the park, I've lost all faith in Santos. To be honest, he should be nowhere near the fucking top 10 anymore. He should be like around the 12, 13 fucking side of the house area there. I mean, but, realistically, uh, he should be the gatekeeper to the 15. Yeah, he should be right at that 14, 15, between 13 and 15, that gatekeeper yeah. to get into the rankings. Because to be honest, he still belongs there. Yeah. But the one... Got him at number six right now, right? Like he's six and Jamal's coming in at 10 right now? Yeah. yeah. Like hey, that's the only problem there. Yeah, you're right. You're right with that. It should, <laughs> it should be like a ten and twelve kind of kind of situation, or ten and eleven. So collectively, between the two of us, we both thought you guys were spot on with that shit. However, 
one thing was missed on RJ's side of the house. That was a clear tall tale sign that we have to give it to Christian. And that's it. Christian brought up, he's lost the heart. The heart isn't fucking there. Oh, the putting the chin thing out there, I don't know if that was the correct statement. But when you mentioned the heart not being there, yeah, I can get down with that. But the dude still has a fucking chin. lost the heart, and this week we're going to see if he's got the chin. That's that's. Oh, he's still got the chin. That's the reason why he hasn't been knocked out. It is a fucking, the chin's there. It's just not the heart. The heart's not in it anymore. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly the point that I agreed with the most as well. Uh, Tiago Santos is one of those dudes that at any point in time in any fight, he always possesses the power to shut your fucking lights off with one proper touch. It doesn't matter if you're at 459 in the fifth fucking round. If he gets just enough room to swing that arm right, he will put you the fuck out. What he doesn't seem to have that got him to that meteor prize and made him a household name is the fucking heart, and and I agree with that a hundred percent. So, round four, we are in fact going to give the point to Christian. Now, for those of you who can maths, and those of you who are fans of the show, you will know what that means. That means we are all tied up in four rounds with no choice but to go to the sudden death winner take all overtime final round question. And if you've been following the show, you'll also know that the live, excuse me, round five final question has nothing to do with the card that we're here to talk about this weekend. So to keep things as fair as we possibly can, I just sent Golf T a message here. I have got a number of fingers up on either of my hands, and we're doing this Bob Barker style. Whoever gets closest without going over wins, one through ten. Christian, being the new new guy, you can choose first. Okay, so am I supposed to come up with a number that you have to, like, add up both hands together? Yeah. Yep. One, one through ten, yep. Closest without going over. Uh, five. Fuck. RJ? I was thinking six. The number was six. So dead to fucking okay. nuts on the six. That's and that's why I said it before we did that. So the dress, one dollar. I was thinking one dollar you right the, the entire so. time. Six, six, middle of the road, middle of the that's road. Good shit, though. Okay. Good call. okay. I have, so. I I just looked at the rest of the fight card. Can I can I throw something out there? Yeah, go ahead. Um Josh Quinlan. Bushido, tell me that motherfucker don't belong in a 1980s, uh, poorly, uh, like dubbed Japanese samurai. Oh yeah, movie. no, he he's straight out of a Kurosawa film. No, no doubt about it. He's straight out of a Kurosawa film. No fucking yeah, I, I agree completely. <laughs> I, just, I just I just looked at it. And I'm like, wait, what? The, he looks familiar. So I yeah. I, I I Google searched Asian martial arts movies. From the 80s and 1980. If Luis Smoker grew his hair out, is what I'm saying. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so that being said, RJ, you'll get to go first here for round two. So, our question for round five, rather, uh, as we do, has nothing pertaining to the, the actual card that we're talking about this weekend. So, my question for you this week, gentlemen, we got confirmation yesterday 
handed down officially, directly from headquarters. Effective immediately. Ronda Rousey is officially indefinitely suspended from all WWE events. Now, there's two schools of thought that I've seen here when it comes to this incident coming loose. One of them being Ronda had a meltdown in front of the WWE crowd the same exact way she had a meltdown in front of the MMA crowd when Holly kicked her ass to start her whole fucking trail off. And that this is just par for the course for Ronda and she's fucking up another career opportunity and we might never see her in the public spotlight again. The other school of thought that I've heard is that this is clever marketing on the part of WWE because with all of their controversy going on, they need something to take the focus away from WWE. And what better than one of their quote unquote biggest stars going rogue only to come back and try take on some of her rivalries back in the UFC. So my question to you, gentlemen, are we all being cleverly smokescreened by the rowdy one herself? And this is just something to help us not realize that Vince McMahon potentially allegedly raped a bunch of women and cost the company millions and millions of dollars in cover-ups and NDAs? Or... Is this Dana White's greatest rehire in history? RJ, you go first, sir. I'm going on the full blown like mental breakdown. Um, uh, one, I don't think Vince is going to let somebody do do something like that. I mean, it, case in point, Jack Hager Hager however the fuck you say his name now, he had to go to an entire another company just to fight for the Bellator. He had to go to a whole other company just to participate for Bellator. And he, in no way, shape, or form does he get any monetary gain from Ronda going to the UFC. He gains nothing out of it. In fact, he is losing money on making fights with Ronda Rousey being a a point of focus on a poster for fucking SummerSlam or some bullshit like that, you are losing a massive fucking face of the combat sports world, MMA, and the entertainment side of what is professional wrestling. You are losing thousands of fans not buying a fucking pay-per-view ticket of fucking $89.99 to go watch that that event just because their favorite fighter on the WWE roster just so happens to be Ronda Rousey, you're losing money. He get, he gains nothing monetarily. I think she lost her shit again because she fucking did something wrong wrong and is being disrespected or however the fuck way you want to look at it and she lost her shit i i don't think i don't think ronda is going to come back to the ufc um she has taken way too many fucking injuries in the wwe which is supposed to be safer um than she did in her professional fighting career 
I don't think she's ever going to come back to MMA anytime soon, at least. Interesting. Interesting take indeed. So that brings us back over to you, Christian. With all this ridiculousness unfolding and the referee getting quote unquote arm barred until other referees had to come in and intervene. I say with their quotes for those of you listening. Um, is this indefinite suspension really just a marketing ploy to get folks to stop thinking about Vince McMahon's $20 million sexual escapade, allegedly? Or is this Dana White playing IQ game and finding the easiest way to get Ronda back and bring extra hike with her? All right. So funny that this was the last question, right? Because I saw the article the other day and I used to watch WWE when I was younger, you know, when Goldberg and Diamond, Diamond Dallas Page and, you know, Buff Bagwell, you know, those kind of days. Um, I don't watch nowadays. But, yeah, this is a fucking marketing ploy. This is all, like, that's immediately what I thought of. This is giant fucking conspiracy, you know, oh, Ronda Rousey's in trouble. She fuck it. Oh, it was a bad call by the ref, right? This is the story. Bad call by the ref, so she armbarred him. After the fight, we've seen that if anybody's watched WWE, right? Like, I understand what Buddy was saying there, right? Like, she did have a mental breakdown before, and it could have been that, but that's the setup, right? That is the marketing ploy, is what she had in her previous career, and how this is going to bring so much hype because Ronda Rousey's still the name that it is. And oh, wow, she had this big blow. We've seen Stone Cold Steve Austin and so many other Stone Cold what had confrontations with Vince McMahon himself didn't quote unquote had the moment where they fired him or whatnot, but no, this is, this is a marketing ploy to try to get, whether it's, um, you know, to get the eyes away from the Vince McMahon situation. Definitely. He just retired last week, but uh, it's just to get more eyes on WWE in general. They're not a real combat sport. You've got, boxing out there and MMA is huge with Bellator, 1FC, all these different fighting clubs out there other than the UFC nowadays. Most people are getting into that compared to WWE. Like it's a kid's thing, wrestling. So they're trying to attract other eyes that used to watch Rousey and, and tr- you know, it's the drama. It's like a soap opera for adults. That's the only way to bring adults in is to create that little that little drama, the marketing ploy. Oh, Rhonda lost her shit. Yeah, the mental breakdown. Oh, she's suspended. Let's see. Let's see. <laughs> yeah, immediately when I saw the article, that's what I thought. It was like, oh, this is just a marketing ploy to get more eyes on the WWE. Yeah. <laughs> but there, there's not going to be more eyes on WWE. You have better wrestling. We're talking about there. it right now. Yeah, but you have, you, yeah, but it, was, it was it was a question that was brought up on the show, but you have. You I know, have, but it wouldn't have been if this wouldn't have happened. That's that's the point. It, yeah. To me, the marketing ploy is working, and there is no other reason for it because the WWE is not going to let her go. Like I said, we've seen that situation happen in the WWE before. People actually have physical altercations with the dude that owned the fucking company, and they're still there. So, right, Ronda Rousey, it's not, like, going to be the last time we see her in the public eye, like, Oh, the WWE is going to release her because she armbarred the ref after the fight. No, we know this is this is marketing. Even if she got pissy after the bad call, it could have been yeah, that little bit of both, right? A little bit of the mental breakdown, but she's still going to be in the WWE. She's still under contract. They're not going to release her. 
even if Vince McMahon was still running it, you know, totally believe in that. It's I trying to pull the eyes away from Vince McMahon and that whole thing last week with him retiring and his scandal, even more than what you're saying, trying to bring eyes. I agree with that, RJ. Maybe not trying to bring eyes to WWE because none of us are going to go fucking buy a WWE pay-per-view or even watch Monday Night Raw, Friday Night SmackDown. Yeah, it's getting like people they're... talking about it and get people to not talk about the other situation, the little scandally scandal with the Vince McMahon shit. We're talking about Ronda Rousey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but like they're, they're, it's 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 100% a, a marketing ploy because ever since what's it what's its fuck AEW? No, it is, but it's AEW for what like two or three years now. You seeing numbers and retention rate dropping versus this other company skyrocketing. It's it's marketing because that's everything. Like like with how you mentioned the Stone Cold, the Stone Cold thing. Like even when it was Eric Bischoff way back in the day and fucking McMahon whenever he bought out the fucking Bud Light truck and sprayed sprayed fuckers down in the the the, the ring. It's all marketing. But it's Rhonda's not gonna come back to the UFC. She's she's gonna fucking hang out and relax. She's been banged up too many hospital trips over the last three years of her being a WWE professional wrestler than she did over like six years of being an MMA fighter. Okay. So uh, I will say. Uh, credit to both of you gentlemen. You, you both make very valid 100% points. Uh, there is absolutely every possibility that old Ronda the Snowflake just melted the fuck down the ring and just simply cannot fucking hack it. And that's all we're going to see of her pouty little oversensitive ass. And she's going to run off into the sunset. And no one's going to give two flying fucks. On the other hand, with Vince dealing with all his bullshit, getting caught with his dick in the honey jar, there is also every possibility that the first thing that fucking Hunter Helmsley did as his new fucking role as director of the WWE is figure out some stupid and easy to put together fucking scheme to get everyone all riled up and talking about anything but Vince getting caught with his dick in the honey jar. On the other hand, uh, after conferring with the commission on this matter, uh, we have come to the agreement that this bout will be ruled a majority draw. <laughs> While both of you gentlemen have made very valid and very good and argumentative points, you have both failed to miss the greater picture in this scenario. All right. I got to say, he literally tossed up the slowest softball pitch you could possibly throw to somebody right in the middle of the dead fucking strike zone should have been a grand slam. Both of you fucking missed it. We were talking about this a couple weeks ago. Christian, I don't know how the fuck you missed this. But fucking Ronda Rousey and Gina Carano both said they would come out of retirement to fight each other. Well, I don't want to see that. That's why I didn't. Not that, that you wanted to see it. I'm just saying you both failed. I don't think anybody really wants the to see it. The option was out there. That's so, that, that's what we were looking for. 
I'm sure. I'm sure. That's what you're MMA podcast. They have both uh, agreed publicly that if there was one fight that would get both of them to come out of retirement and put the gloves back on, weight class, environment, location, be damned. One fight that would get them to lace it back up. They both unanimously agreed it was each other. And uh, I'm not Dana, saying that's the correct answer, though, either. So, I just want to put that out there. But you guys both missed it. So I was like, I you know mean, what? I, 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 I what you're saying. Yeah, I could have spun this. that off. If the, the marketing of this, you could have then be taking any market that, that fight. But, yeah, I just don't want the, the UFC to market that fight. The but let's be honest. It was like what we were talking about earlier with Tiago Santos. Ronda Rousey lost her fire for fighting a long fucking time ago. Don't years and years after the fact try to sit here and say that you want to come back and have a fight against somebody you never got to fight. That's how I feel about that whole situation. You're, you're still in the WWE. You're playing pussy ball. Don't come and try to talk about how you somehow magically have your fire back. And you know, no, 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 no. no. I just, it's I, like uh, we don't want to see Cejudo come back, and he's been a little more serious. No, I can't say he's been more serious about it than Ronda Rousey, but the, I'm about as serious as seeing Ronda as I am about seeing Cejudo come back. So that's just why that didn't even come to thought. <laughs> it's, it's understandable. It's you know I'm not I'm no David Copperfield, but I have been working a little bit on my uh, <laughs> my distractionary magic if you will. So uh, the, the two options were both actually, actually traps. The, the correct answer would have been the Gina Carano fight. Unfortunately, we did not get that answer. So the commission has unanimously agreed. We are going to call this fight a majority draw. Now, for those of you who are long time, those of you who are long time fans of the show, fans of the pit, you are going to want to see how this gets resolved because we can't just have a draw hanging out there in the open. So if you're going to want to find out how we resolve our first ruled majority draw between the new guys, no less, you're going to have to tune in next week for the debut of season seven of the I'm no Joe podcast and all the newness that it may bring with it. That being said, obviously that's all we've got for this particular episode. We are going to call it all for this particular episode if you enjoy what we do get up to around here, links down below for all of the social medias you could ever want, everyone involved in the show, the show itself, as well as all of the goodies. If you like what we do around here, make sure you hit the thumbs up over there on YouTube or whatever platform you're consuming this on. Make sure you are subscribed so you don't miss an episode. If you don't like what we get up to around here, on the other hand, first and foremost, what the fuck are you still doing this deep into a podcast you don't enjoy? Give us a thumbs down and then fuck off. We won't even dispute it. That being said, that's all for this particular episode. Thank you to everyone who helped us get through six seasons of this crazy fucking nonsense. And I'm telling you right now, strap on your big girl panties for season seven because shit's getting even fucking crazier. That being said, we're going to get the fuck out of here. So remember, don't let ignorance stop you. You can root for anything. Unless it's Epstein to hang around.
Kung Fu fighting. Those kids were fast as lightning. In fact, it was a little bit frightening. How do I say goodbye?